when you have something like this happen, and we hope everyone listening does never have to have a cancer diagnosis, their house burning down, throwing their two-year-old out a window and not knowing if they're going to make it out. This is quite deep, but, uh, you know, the vision of, like, I don't know if I can say it on it. It's just the vision of, like... What could have happened and what could have been. Yeah, it was just... That's when um, I just thought... I, did, I knew I didn't need counselling or anything like that, but I needed to change my mindset. There was a, like a meme going around for a while and it's like a pie chart and it says things that I think will make me successful and it's work and then a tiny little bit of sleep and then it's things that will actually make me successful and it's split into time to read, exercise, quiet time, work, sleep and and it's so true. You're not here for a long time. You're never guaranteed what is going to happen. And if you want to go and do whatever it is that you want to do on your own and people are telling you not to, it's not their life. And what you often find is the people that are telling you that you should take a step back or that you shouldn't do it, it's actually their own limiting beliefs that they're dealing with. Who wants to be an entrepreneur? This isn't a quiz show. This is reality. A real-life discovery of what it really takes to be an entrepreneur. Welcome to a new season of podcast episodes of personal and business coaching topics and techniques around the three pillars of HEW, health, excellence, and wealth. HEW is introducing guests to the Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur show based on their own personal experiences. A full real-life account of trials and tribulations of what it takes. Hello and welcome to the HEW Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur podcast. My name is Lauren Brady and I am your host for this episode. Uh, Today I'm joined by two ladies in the start of our series of Power Duo interviews. Uh, We've got a few of these lined up over the coming weeks. Uh, People who are in partnership together in business, in life or in some form of connection. The unusual one is this very first interview Uh, the name of this family is the power family so a nice little tie in there that's made me chuckle along the way now I've known both these women for uh, somewhere in the region of 20 25 years they are both absolute characters storytellers they're ambitious successful interesting women both in their own right and then together uh, as a family unit and as two sisters the big one here though is not only are they successful in their own right and you know hopefully you'll get to know and hear so much about uh, Donna Power and Cynthia Murphy, as her married name now is. But the main thing that I, I think stood out for me during this interview was resilience. Over the last five years, both of these individual women, incredible women, have had their lives under threat uh, and they've come through it. They are healthy and they are doing a great job in life and in business now thriving. So this one was a bit of an emotional interview uh, for everyone at some stage. I want to say, uh, you know, just at this stage, thank you uh, to Donna and Cynthia, uh, you know, for being so vulnerable and sharing their story with the HEW community. I think at the moment, and I think always, um, for people who need and appreciate stories of triumph, uh, you know, it's the idea of what life throws at us in business life, in our personal life, in our health, wealth, excellence, everything that we stand for here at HEW. Uh, these two women are just encapsulating everything that we stand for. And we were delighted to have them with us uh, to have this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, buckle up, maybe get a tissue out at one or two points. Uh, and as always, we'd love to hear your feedback. Please connect with ourselves here at HEW on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. We're everywhere. Uh, and we'll also be tagging uh, Donna and 
Cynthia in the show notes and in all of our social posts so you can connect uh, with those two and their businesses as they move forward as well. We hope you enjoy the episode and I'll hand you straight over uh, our power duo uh, with Donna Power and Cynthia Murphy. So I'm joined today uh, by two wonderful, powerful women. Um, It's the first of our duo um, interviews and uh, these two individuals are completely different in their um, approaches, their ways, but are very much connected as they are two sisters. I've had the pleasure of knowing them both for over 20 years. We were very young, very, very young. Um, And I was delighted when they both agreed to come on and have a chat with us here to share a little bit about what's got them to the positions that they're in today and to really share the challenges that they've had in life, in business, in careers. And I think it's going to be a cracker so let's see, uh, let's see what comes up with the power duo. Uh, I should correct there, Donna Power and the now married Cynthia Murphy. Welcome to HEW's Who Wants to Be an Entrepreneur, girls. Hello. Hi. Good to have you both. So I'm, uh, I'm laughing as we were doing the prep and the setup for this. Um, and I was talking to my business partner, Helen. I'm like, this could be like a four hour conversation. <laughs> um, so it's just as well. We're doing it first thing in the morning. Uh, lots of coffee. And, you know, we've not got too many distractions in front of us. So um, to kind of let everybody know um, who you are, I just I don't want to put them into my words. I'd really like to hear from you guys just to let everybody know. We've got two people who are business owners, who are very entrepreneurial, and who've had many different routes along the path to get where they are today. So, uh, Donna, let's start with yourself. Cynthia came out first in terms of age, so we'll let you have the first go on this one. (laughs) If you could tell us a little bit about, you know, who you are, what it is you do today, and maybe a little bit about sort of early life, the different routes and roads and directions you took from uh, adulthood onwards, shall we say. Um, right, so now currently I am a business coach like yourself, I'm a mum, but I, I never really knew I was made for business really, I'd kind of just fell into it over time, um, I wasn't very good at school, stuff like that, I was quite challenging, I didn't stay in one school for too long kind of thing and I just, I went through different jobs, didn't like them and started my own fashion brand which was amazing and I loved it, but I kind of just fell into coaching and now I just absolutely love it. So tell us more, Donna, about um, the fashion brand because it's a, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a skimming over it, but I'm going to dive right in. You were always yeah. someone with a ton of energy, a ton of vibrancy and opinions and all of those things. And you just yeah. mentioned there, you move school quite a lot. I say quite a lot. You probably only moved once or twice. Yeah, it was only twice. Only twice. If, if I wasn't there a lot, shall we say. <laughs> That's the stuff that we're getting to. Yeah. So you, you were always, like I say, I knew you as a teenager. You were yeah. always smart. You were always someone like, you know, you were clued up. You knew what to do, what not to do. But academia wasn't for you. No, not at all. No, I don't know why. And I still can't pinpoint it. I just couldn't settle you know, I just wanted to be doing what I wanted to do. And I've never kind of been a fan of being told what to do. So if I was getting told what to do, I'd just naturally, and I still don't know why, just naturally do the opposite. And I still kind of do it now. I just, just hit the ground running really with anything. So yeah, I struggled at school, just being told what to do, kind of very, you've got to do this, this and this. You know, I like to just flow with everything and... 
I don't know how, how much to dive into it, really. <laughs> don't worry, we'll keep going until we get the, yeah. the juicy bit. But so many entrepreneurs, so many people who work for themselves, who set up businesses, um, you know, have a very similar backstory in that, you know, they just couldn't sit still, they couldn't settle. And, you know, I know now certainly from, you know, looking at people's personalities and their learning styles, sometimes education is just like trying to put a round peg in a square hole and trying to fit everybody into a very similar box. So I know then you went into retail, you were working in fashion. I know you worked in a couple of different places. Was that what ignited your love for being around people and being around the fashion industry? Or was it just something that, you know, you've always been into? Yeah, it was. When I first started, obviously, going into the real world and getting jobs, I'd done the old call centre thing. And I just fucking hated it on the phone all day. And then my job that kind of got me into fashion was at a bridal company so it was selling wedding dresses and you were with people face to face and chatting and having a laugh and I thought that's something I like to do I like to be face to face with a customer or a client and really get to know the person so when I left there obviously it was personal reasons at the time and I went to another job which was kind of face to face but again that was all quite strict it was a very man's world that I worked in I was the only female employee and at the time, my head was just, I had stuff going on with toxic relationships, things like that. And I just felt very tied down. And all my friends, I'd always helped my friends with clothes. You know, so the going Ibiza, I'd be packing their outfits with the jewellery, roll, you know, rolling them all up. And that's what I always done. And everyone was just saying, you need to start your own fashion brand. So I got made redundant from the job and I was just like what the fuck am I gonna do now I had to move back to mum and dad's and everything I was so skinny and uh, mum and dad have had me and Cynthia back more times than they can count <laughs> so oh, I love you I love your parents I mean we need to do a sub episode just with your mum and dad in as well that's such good crap but it's interesting like your mum and dad are so entrepreneurial right and they're so you know, welcoming of you guys, you know, mm. taking risks and taking paths, you know, regardless of whether we fully understand the outcome. So yeah, it's interesting. We'll come back. We'll come back to mom and dad. So you move back to mom and dad's Donna. Yeah. And I just started, I just started small buying little bits and then they sold and they sold and then just kind of picked up. So but then I had a shop and I just, yeah, I've always just been a light to be with a customer face to face. My fashion brand was amazing and stuff like that but you know after I think six years someone had shit on me big time basically after a, a very traumatic time in my life and I just thought and then so I started helping people create their own fashion brand and I loved it I just absolutely loved it you know there's, there's so much room for everyone out there and I never understand why other companies feel like everyone's a threat when they're not so yeah and then basically that's just how I felt into coaching Okay, so that is a good whistle-stop tour of uh, Donna Power, the fashion brand. Um, the one question I did want to ask you, Donna, is you mentioned there before about, you know, you love being with people, you love being face-to-face, -face, but you could also see opportunity. You know, you had a skill, you knew you were doing it for free within your friendship group and your social circle. At any point when you decided, you know, to set up a premises, to start selling things, I know that you were always really present online. It's, you know, one of the reasons I know so much about your entrepreneurial journey, because you were always promoting it. Was there ever a time where, you know, people around you, were saying, are you sure? Is this a good idea? Did you get yeah. me to that? Every day. 
you know it's, it's the thing is with sales and stuff you're not always going to have the same weeks it's going to be an amazing week you might have absolutely nothing coming in one week it's, it's hit and miss especially with the fashion because obviously you can only buy so much and you know if you have a shit week it's like yeah I always get it oh do you not think you should just fuck it off now I'm like no this is my baby I will fuck it off when I want to fuck it off do you know what I mean yeah. so yeah everyone used to always say it's men no one said it's me recently though interesting and how many years now have you been working for yourself Donna how many years in are we in reality seven okay so it's interesting you know for anyone who might be listening to this and who's thinking when will I stop getting the questions when will people understand that this is what I want to do and this is who I am you know I can certainly identify with that you know when for my own career and it's interesting sometimes people say it to your face sometimes they say it to your friends or your family and I know a lot of the time it's meant from a well-meant point and concern and um, but it's the idea that you're like hey listen don't worry I'm in the bills are getting paid I've got a roof over my head my children are good everyone's healthy just be patient stay with me I know that this is going to be the fruition okay yeah and it's, I think as well you know people that do want to work for themselves and um are scared I think a big thing is that sometimes the first thing that you try isn't always going to work out and I think a lot of people that feel stuck you know, if my fashion didn't work out, it would have been easy for me to go to Tesco or anywhere like that and get a job. But I know it's not for me, so I've stuck with it and it is paying off now. Yeah, interesting. We'll definitely come back and talk about this idea of having a back door because there's nothing wrong with starting a business and then realising it's not for you. But for no. you, deep down in your gut, you were like, no, 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 there's no way, there's no, there's no exit here. There's no turnaround. There's no get out clause. I've got to make it work. Yeah. Love it, love it. Okay, Cynthia, welcome to the table. How are you? Hello, I'm okay. Thank you. I've got a naughty dog who's chewing everything she shouldn't be. Yeah, the reality of Zoom life, uh, dogs, children, yeah. Wi-Fi connection, so fingers crossed for it all. Greater Manchester, we will be back together in, in person <laughs> at some point. Um, so Cynthia, yeah. if, uh, for those obviously who may not know anything about you, tell us who you are similar to Donna there, go from academia right through to where we are today. Okay, so I'd say this is probably mine and Donna's main difference, that I love school <laughs> and I like being told what to do. <laughs> I am just quite happy with someone telling me what to do and I will do it, it makes my life easier. So I did quite well at school, went on to college, had a bit of a funny time at college and when I went to university I couldn't settle and I think I ended up doing three different courses and it was the third one that I settled on and it was art history. And I'd actually done it for the sensible option because the other option was drama. And then when I graduated, I was like, what is art history and what do we do with it? And I don't know. And the first recession had just hit. So I know today in the news it said we're officially now in recession. So last time around, it was when I finished uni and it was just, it was hard to volunteer anywhere. So I ended up volunteering at Manchester Cathedral and I was taking school groups around and I'd never liked children, I'd never worked with children, I'd never, I, I just hadn't, suddenly I thought this is, this is really good, these are listening and they're, they're excited and they're engaged and I went on to become a learning mentor so I worked with kids who had needs and problems and then that took me to teach training and this year I've been teaching for 10 years wow um, how quickly is, is that gone? i know and i came to it late compared to some people 
But my first teaching job was quite honestly horrendous. The kids were amazing. The <coughs> staff were nice. The management was less so. And it was my first real, first proper time I'd had people wanting to make trouble for me for no real reason when I felt like I was just doing my job and getting on with it. And I came home one night and I was really upset because they told me my job was being advertised and if I would like to apply for it, then I could. And I thought, God, what am I going to do? So Luke said, well, why don't you write the book that you keep threatening to write? And I was like, oh, well, that's, that's just a dream. That's something that other people do that, you know, rich people who have time and and then I thought, well, why not? So the first thing I did was did a bit of research, got on Twitter, followed some agents and saw that actually all you needed to send off was the first three chapters of a book. And I thought, oh, three chapters, done GCSE English. This is, this is fine. I can do that. Did my first three chapters, started looking into what to do. And then it was, oh, yeah, you send your first three chapters, but you need a full finished book. And I was like, oh, crap because I don't have that. So it took me about a year, year and a bit, and I had that first finished book, and that was in about 2013, maybe 2014, and sent it off. It was going to be the next bestseller. There were, I was imagining the film of it, and you know the ending, I'd written it really cinematically, because this is what was going to happen, and nobody was interested in the slightest. There was one woman about four months later who said, oh, I'd like to see the full thing. So I got all overexcited. And then she emailed back and said, yeah, I don't like the main character. Sorry. And that was it. I was like, oh, so this isn't happening. So I enrolled myself on a course. And it was, at the time, it was quite an expensive course. But I felt like I needed to make an investment to, to learn what to do. And I knew I had something, but I needed to learn how to do it properly. And did this course and met a fantastic group of writers who I'm still in touch with now, who are really supportive, and wrote a second book. And that second book, when I sent it out, all of a sudden, it was like I wanted it to be the first time. I got offers, I got invitations down to London to go and meet people. I think I had three offers in the end from different agents who wanted to represent me. And I went down, picked one, was dead excited. And the night before I went to meet her, I found a lump. And two weeks later, that lump became breast cancer. Well, it was breast cancer, so I found out it was breast cancer. So that obviously put things into like just craziness. Yeah. And by the time I was recovered and had done the rewrite that the agent had suggested, she was no longer interested and we parted ways, which now in hindsight is a good thing. But I was absolutely devastated. So not only had I been through this like massive life experience, but then got kind of told, oh, no, and that's, you know, that's been taken away from you as well. And when I look back, it was what kept me going a lot. It. so it was a good thing um so then started to write a third book eventually after a massive slump after not wanting after seeing 17 year olds get picked up for their first ever novel that they'd written while they were doing their a-levels and you know and you just like and 
was writing this third book and I loved it, but it just wasn't quite right. And I'd had contact with another agent and I actually met up with her. And I said, I've got this thing in the back of my head that I want to write a horror, like a teen horror, like I used to read when I was a kid. But is it selling? Is it a good idea? And she just went, yes. She just nodded at me. And it gave me the permission to just put this other project aside. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a book in six months. I just knocked it out. I was There was one point where after I got signed and Luke said, God, there was nights when you were like knocking out 4,000 words in front of the TV. And I just assumed it was crap. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. The love of a god. Um, he was still really supportive, but he just assumed it was absolute rubbish. So then, this time it was October. We were in Tokyo, so we'd gone on holiday. We were having this big, massive Asia trip, and um, I'd been editing on. I'd, I'd wrote it everywhere in the car, on the plane, just anywhere that I had five minutes, and sent it off. And all of a sudden, it was ping, ping, ping. I ended up with nine offers. I signed with my old writing school with their agency, Curtis Brown, who were a really big agency. And then within a month of submitting it, we'd sold it. So I now have a two-book deal with Scholastic. Um, It technically means that that part of my life is self-employed, which means I've had to deal with tax, which is not fun. I don't know how any of you do it. Welcome welcome to entrepreneurial life, Cynthia. No, it's awful. So, well, I still have an agent, I have an editor, I still have people who tell me what to do, but I've found my nice little creative niche that I can do alongside work and be nice and comfortable. Amazing. That's it. So there's so many questions I've wrote down there as you were talking that I want to come back to for both of you. But the, the, sort of the end short of it is now, we're now speaking to a fully professional published author. So, yes. okay, so <laughs> let, let, let's take the step back. And, and, you know, we've just skimmed over it there and it's something that I know both yourself, Cynthia and Donna, what we're going to talk about and um, that you're comfortable sharing. So, you know, listen, hopefully getting to know you just on those little surface levels, you can see this is why we wanted to have this conversation today. Two women, two sisters who are, you know, amazing powerhouses in their own right, but completely different. But look at what you've both gone on to build and achieve. But if I take a step back, you know, five, six years for both Cynthia, what you've just mentioned there with your cancer diagnosis and Donna, what happened to you a couple of years ago, you both unfortunately had really big life changing events that, you know, I wouldn't wish upon anybody, but um, I'm glad that you feel comfortable talking to me in the audience about it today. Uh, And I just really want to unpack sort of how that has changed your perspective your mindset your goals your attack at things and so Cynthia we're going to go straight in you got diagnosed with breast cancer how old were you 32 32 okay you were just about to go and get started with your agent you know um you know you've mentioned Luke here Luke's your husband you've been married for at this point when you got the diagnosis how many years had you been married Three years married. Three, four years, yeah, three, four years. Three, four years married. And I'm delighted that we can say this now. You are fully recovered. You had yep. lots That's of treatment and surgeries and all the stuff that unfortunately comes with a cancer diagnosis. How did it feel for you at 32, just starting out in your marriage, in your professional writing career? You've done all your work with your with your degrees and your teaching. 
how did it what was that what, what do you even do when you get that news I don't know um I think I was very matter of fact about it and I think because I have always loved to read and I've always loved researchy side of stuff I went into full-on research mode and there was points when I was going to the doctors at, at hospital and like, I remember after my surgery at one point I went for a checkup and I said can I have caffeine again now and he said what do you mean I said well I've been reading up and it said you should avoid caffeine for six weeks after surgery because it gives your blood vessels the best chance of blah 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 and he just laughed and he said yeah okay <laughs> like yeah well done that's fine but he had never mentioned it and I think I'd, I'd gone slightly over the top but that I dealt with it like we kept clean eating and I'd been running a lot so I feel like that helped so prepare weird, my body one, for of the, it. one of the memories I have prior to you being diagnosed is we met in Tesco and you were telling me you were training yeah. and you were like I was like wow you look amazing and you're like am I correct in saying you wanted to do a triathlon yeah and I'd met you in Tesco, yes. you were in this best yes. shape I've seen you in, in, in years, like years in shape. But I was, and then I remember then hearing the news that you, you'd had the diagnosis and I just couldn't comprehend how someone strong, healthy, young had just been given the news that they had cancer and at the same time they were training to be a triathlete. Yeah, I, I gave that up after the cancer diagnosis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not yeah, for everybody, fair dues. I remember being in with a nurse one day who actually turned around to me and said, I'm really struggling with this diagnosis because there's nothing wrong with you. You know, like on paper, you're in absolutely brilliant shape. I'm struggling to, to comprehend it. I did, I did what everyone did. You know, I had really positive days. Um, the next day after, I went out and got absolutely sozzled with Donna and friends and argued with a guy in a pub didn't we yeah 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 that was a messy one because, because the funny thing about getting a cancer diagnosis is all of a sudden everybody wants to tell you about everyone else in their life who had one <laughs> but they don't want to tell you the nice stuff they want to tell you about the people who died or Not how it. much pain such a body was Are in when they had that's what people think is appropriate to say i don't know why i don't know if it's a nervous thing or but yeah. So this poor guy just got a bit of a gobful off me and Donna this night. Cause, uh, oh, God. Yeah, and, and, and Danny, was, Danny had a bit of a go at him. Yeah, because he, he brought over some cookies. He was like, oh, yeah, you've, you've had a cancer diagnosis. Have a <laughs> and Donna's partner, Danny, ran over and went, don't you be giving my sister-in-law them nasty, what was it, couch cookies. So he found them <laughs> down the side of a sofa in the pub and decided to bring them over to me. And Danny was like, no, she's vulnerable enough. <laughs> keep your crap cookies yeah, it's like, here's, some, here's uh, some cookies I hope your cancer's okay <laughs> you know, we're, all, we're all laughing as this story unfolds now but I can just imagine the amount of emotions the everything the fear the unknown yeah I mean there was nights where I got home I remember one night in particular me and Luke had been out and um I'd been my you know jolly self like do this we'll get through this and got home and I just broke my heart crying on the sofa like and he had to he had to go up step because I think I was that heartbroken um and it wasn't fair and I went through that phase of have I done something wrong like is it 
have I been really nasty to somebody in my life and this is my punishment for it or I think you think all sorts of weird things but I'd always had this I remember saying it to Luke years ago I'd always had this weird thing in my head that I couldn't see myself as an older person and I always had this weird thing that I maybe wouldn't make it to old age and I just remember saying it to Luke in passing once and Luke told my mum while I was in surgery Stop. <laughs> that I had this thing. <laughs> yeah, because he must have been so worried. But it's funny because now that I've come through the other side of it, I don't have that feeling anymore. I quite happily can see myself as an old granny with a bunch of grandkids right. and pets. And, and I don't know, maybe it was a weird little prophetic side of me that knew something was going to happen. Yeah. But um, So I almost was not comfortable with it but I felt like oh so this is the thing this is the thing that I need to get past and then I can live the rest of my life amazing oh, I've <laughs> so many questions but you've actually answered loads of them just with your honest and open dialect the way you talk about it the things that went through your mind the fear and uh, gosh we're just so delighted that you know the outcome is the outcome so we're over the moon and <laughs> Here's, here's, here's now for anyone who's listening, if you strap in for the next bit of the roller coaster. So you've come out of your treatment. You are, you know, you still, you've, I, I, I mean, how many years is it, Cynthia? Sorry, excuse my ignorance, until you can say I'm all clear, because I know it's not an immediate or a, a, a first thing. Explain to me how it's, it's a myth. Okay. The all clear is a myth. I don't know if it's different for every single kind of cancer, but certainly breast cancer, it's, you never say it because... Um, unfortunately breast cancer has one of the highest incidences of secondaries so if you have breast cancer and it spreads somewhere else it is incurable so you either die or you are heavily medicated and you live with it and unfortunately I know a few people who went through treatment at the same time as me and have either now passed away or are dealing with the fact that they will pass away in the next however many years unless a cure is found and it's not really known about um so you've always got to be kind of wary keep an eye on funny symptoms and which is its own worry in a way because of course if you have a bad day every little niggle and pain and headache is it's come back you know. but it's taken me a long time to get to the point where every time I have a headache it's you know my brain tumor yeah amazing and so I mean it's interesting that you said that I'm glad you've said that because again sometimes you have these things that maybe we think or we know about what happens after treatment what happens after uh, you know a couple of years and um, you know it's it's great for you know for me to learn and hopefully other people can go and it's not I'm sure that there's always something to understand and know about how the condition will change you forever and move forward but so you'd come out of sort of the um the most grueling part of your treatment and then we're probably Donna tell me if I'm right on the timeline one or two years later and then there was a life-changing event for you and your family Donna yeah that was about oh it was last year that was. <laughs> was that last year just about a year 
The family had probably just got, you know, a big deep breath in. Um, Donna, you'd welcomed a new little gorgeous baby boy into the family. Um, you know, there was lots of positives. Um, yeah. You're working with your business, Cynthia, you're writing. Uh, I'm sure your mum and dad and your partners were all like, brilliant, you know, let's just get a big deep breath into our lungs and enjoy life. And Donna, tell us what happened then and what was the big change that's brought you to where you are today in your life? Oh, um, so at the time, me and my partner were at my mum's again, um, saving to buy a house. So my partner has a daughter and what we'd do every other weekend, we'd go and stay at his mum's so we could have her all together in. You know, so there was more rooms, just stuff like that. So one night we all just went to bed and then at about 3am, um, just woke up to loads of banging, screaming and the house was on fire and we were just all trapped upstairs. It was just, uh, just I can't even put it into words sometimes because it was just horrifying and, you know, we were, we couldn't get out. Um, we did get out, it's like complete strangers saved us, but that was just a crazy time so I can no. see even even as you're talking about it Donna I can just see it or if, if people are listening to this rather than watching it on our YouTube channel all over your body language and your face so I'll just summarize this so I don't have to put you through it yourself your partner and um, your youngest child your eldest child was um, having a sleep I mean, she, yeah. she was somewhere else and um, Danny's mom Danny's mm -hmm. little girl am I correct yeah. You're all in the house, you're all upstairs and a fire breaks out downstairs and you wake up, smoke, glass smashed, yeah. things going, it's like something out of a horror film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember his mum, like there was loads of banging and his mum shouting like there's a fire and I went out the door and the smoke just hit me and the heat and I shut it and I had to wake Danny up. We laugh about it actually because somehow in all the panic I got dressed I was just like, <laughs> just getting them like, Danny, you know, getting ready. Like, this is, the house is on fire, just dead normal. Um, what should I wear? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what, what does someone wear in a fire? Uh, no, so I was just like, there's, there's a fire. And he jumped up out of bed, ran to the door, opened it. The same thing happened. Yeah. The heat threw him back. And we were just, because it wasn't our house as well. Um we didn't know how to get out. You know, if it wasn't, if the fire wasn't on the stairs, we obviously would have gone downstairs, but the windows were only the ones that open at the top. So we couldn't even climb out the window. And he was trying everything in his might to smash these. And he's a big guy, do you know what I mean? And he just yeah, couldn't get through this. Lad, yeah. So um, I think like, a guy who lives next door, but one, he's called Barry, he's just like our little hero now. He was just like Superman running around, trying to find things to smash it, climbed up on the concert. So I, at this point, you know, we, we genuinely didn't think we were going to get out. I had Grayson at the window with his head. Um, oh, God, sorry. No, don't be silly. It's, it's a huge, huge event. And thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing it with us, but take your time. So um, our next thing was just to get him out the window but then he found this, like, it was a wooden hat. I don't even know where he found it from. And he got the window smashed in. And we had to throw Grayson out. So luckily there was more than one person. How old um, was Grayson at this point, Donna? He was only, what, two and a half, three? Two, yeah. Two, wow. And um, we had to throw him into, like, strangers' arms. 
So it was right where now. So we all got out. But yeah, it was. Um, That's just work. the scariest thing. I'm just watching you both now, and I can see tears coming out of <laughs> Cynthia. I can see tears coming out of Donna. I'm just about holding myself together. <laughs> the reason that I'm so delighted not obviously just for your whole family is safe and this is why i'm honestly girls thanks so much for sharing these challenges and the heartache and the pain and everything that came with it because when you have something like this happen and we hope everyone listening just never have to have a cancer diagnosis their house burning down throwing their two-year-old out a window and not knowing if they're going to make it out but then let's fast forward now to six months 12 months later so donna you you kind of mentioned it in your introduction as the fire happened, it's just actually let's make sure that we give the full story because I'm forgetting I know it. You got out, Grayson got out, Danny got out, his daughter got out, his mum got out, and everybody's safe and recovered. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but it was it wasn't an, it wasn't a straightforward recovery, right? No, we were in. I um, Grayson was the quickest one. He was literally got to the hospital. He was out within hours. But I had him like just his head buried in there, so he got less of the smoke damage. Um, Rosa, because of her health, she was in hospital for about a week. But obviously, because with how she can't communicate, uh, they had to keep her in for longer. Yeah. Danny's mum was put in a, an induced coma because she ran down the stairs, so she got like the brunt of it. And obviously, with the rage. She'll kill me for saying that, but um, you know, with her age, they had to be yeah. careful. Ladies in their late forties—that's all. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and Danny was almost putting an induced coma, but he came around a lot quicker. So, right. yeah, and we were all in different hospitals, so that made it harder because obviously we all got ripped out of this fire and then all separated. And I didn't—I just remember seeing Danny. I didn't know if Rosie was okay. It's so much happening. I can, I can, it, like, how does your body and your thoughts and your emotions even catch up? Yeah, I just remember I was sat in someone's house and I was just, uh, Grayson was clinging on to me and I was just clinging on to this woman that I'd never met in my life, just hugging her. I was just so scared. And then they put me in a wheelchair and they were pushing me past. And I just remember, like, being wheeled past the fire, just thinking, what the fuck? You know, what is, what's, what's happened? Yeah. And the, ha the whole house was just burning. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like it, and I don't want to, obviously, Yeah, again. we hope we never have to again. But, yeah, we're, we're just so lucky that it was a Friday night and that people had been out, were passing by, or they were still up down the road. You know, we were just so lucky. So many things that, you know, meant that there was things in the right place at the right time that got you you all out and got you safe. Yeah, because we were we always say, like, what if it was like a Tuesday and people weren't out drinking and partying and stuff? Like, would people have known? And Yeah. So, yeah. Those, what, those what ifs are the things as well, I'm sure, that when you think about what went through your head afterwards, they're yeah. the ones that you kind of need That's to... That's everything that changed it for me because afterwards, obviously, we were forever grateful and I was so grateful at the time, but... When something happens like that, and say you can probably say the same, you kind of think, even though you know you're okay or like you're going to be okay, the what ifs kind of plague your mind. And, you know, you, even though, like with Sin, she's getting a treatment and that, you know, I'm sure you were probably thinking, but what if it doesn't work? Things like that. And after the fire, I was thinking, well, what if we would have died? 
my mum and dad. You know, my dad had just lost his mum and dad within a year, a few months before. So when my dad comes to the hospital, I was like, I'm so sorry, dad. And he was like, what are you saying sorry for? I was just like, because I nearly died. And he was just like, shut up. But, you know, it, that that's what was bad for me after. I just kept thinking, what if? And this is quite deep. Um, but, uh, you know, the vision of like, I don't know if I can say it on it. It's just the vision of like. What could have happened and what could have been. Yeah, it was just in my mind. So that's when um, I just thought, I, did, I knew I didn't need counselling or anything like that, but I needed to change my mindset and I needed to shift from thinking the negatives to thinking more of the positives. Yeah. And that's what got me. So let's yeah. move it forward to what we've taken from both of these life-changing uh, events. You know, it's funny, we started at the beginning of the conversation, you know, Donna, you're running multiple businesses, you've gone into coaching. Cynthia, you're a published author, you're also a full-time teacher. Uh, you know, I am jokingly thinking, you know, I'm going to be watching you on a red carpet as your multiple books go to cinematic uh, Oscar performance okay. levels and, you know, Donna's on stage uh, retelling that devastating story, but that inspires women and business owners alike in terms of their change. So I'm, I'm grateful that there's, there's a positive outcome at the end of it. But if I can just take it back a little tiny step, you know, Donna, you actually said then, you're like, I knew I need to change my mindset. You know, I'm a businesswoman. I've, um, I've, I've done lots. I've always been robust. You know, you've always been someone who's full of energy, full of passion. But can you talk to us a little bit about how you then started to work within personal development, how you found it and what that meant for you and how it, how it changed the tra trajectory then for your career choices? Yeah, like I say, I needed to change my mindset and I'd come across a coach who kind of done an online mindset course and I'd never, ever invested in my mind before um, you know you invest in yourself and you invest in your business but the way I invested was shoes and bags and not for my mind so I thought you know what let's just do it and it literally it was 10 days and I was a different person after those 10 days Amazing. and I've not stopped investing in my mind and how I think and everything like that since because I think there's always kind of room for improvement yeah and yeah, even though I got emotional then talking about the fire, I don't feel that every day anymore. And every day, you know, I am just, yeah, I'm just positive. It's just changed my life in a huge way. And it's interesting, you use exact words there, Cynthia, you used when you talked, I wrote it down about your writing course. You said, you know, I was, I thought, I'll just send off three chapters. Okay, I'll write a book. And then you're like, crikey, you know, maybe I need to, maybe I need to do something else. And you said you made this huge investment in the writing course. And Again, couldn't have positioned it better, but the two of you have both gone, I invested in myself. Cynthia, was that something that you think was a, a game changer for you in your writing and taking your step forward as an author? Yeah, I think, so I had this wonderful tutor and um, we had phone calls with her and she was a published author. And one thing she said to me was, if there's an it, you've got it. So keep going. It might not be this book, it might not be the next book, but just keep going. And that stuck with me. That was really nice. But also, I ended up with a group of writing friends who were all in exactly the same position and who became like my little group of cheerleaders. So writing is one of those really weird, solitary things that you have to do on your own. 
yeah. for Luke to tears about it. And he is so supportive, but Luke's never been a reader. He doesn't get it in that way. And to have people just just be in your corner who understand what you're going through, that was the real big change for me. They've been amazing. So, yeah, it was worth it just for that alone, I think, just for that. That's so another couple of points there to unpack and, and, you know, we could talk through for a long time is this idea of having invested in yourself but then having community support, Donna, I know you've said this before in terms of when you're rid like-minded people, you know, Donna, I asked you the question about, you know, did anyone ever say to you when you were starting your, your online businesses to think this is a good idea? Cynthia, I guarantee lots of people have said, you know, you've got a teaching job, you've got an amazing secure uh, employment, you know, you've got opportunities, uh, you know, you've just come through this awful ordeal with your cancer, you know, Maybe don't put yourself through the idea of rejection and writing books and all of that. What would you say to people who are listening here now? And, you know, I'm hoping the the stories that you guys have shared, you know, real struggles, real hardships. There was plenty of reasons that you could have all, both just gone. I think I'll just put myself in a safe position. I won't take any more risks. I won't push myself out of my comfort zone. And nobody would have had any reason to say anything other than girls just take it easy you've survived so much you know just take a break but neither of you for neither of you that was the option it was keep learning let me push myself let me put myself around great people let me get out of my comfort zone any tips or any advice that you would give to people who are at that point where they're thinking of throwing in the towel because it's just a bit too difficult don't do it you've got to follow your passions and you know you're not here for a long time you're never guaranteed what is going to happen and if you want to go and do whatever it is that you want to do on your own and people are telling you not to it's not their life and what you often find is the people that are telling you that you should take a step back or that you shouldn't do it it's actually their own limiting beliefs that they're dealing with because they feel that that feels uncomfortable for them so if you know you can do something just go and fucking do it please yourself Love it. And you know what? I can't, I can't tell you how much I'm loving having such a Manchester conversation <laughs> with you both. Cynthia, what would you say in that same respect? I, I think have a break if you need it. I think that was the biggest thing for me that I just needed a break. I still wanted to write. I was still working full time. I'd had all this health stuff. But I got to the point where I was beating myself up that I wasn't doing well. Um, so I stepped back and I had a break. And that's when my mind kind of recovered and ideas started to come in and I listened to loads of podcasts and uh, one in particular just sparked off a little, a little idea about a year before I started to write and that idea has now become my published novel. So I took that time for myself, didn't beat myself up and then got struck back in again. So, I mean, I was lucky in the sense that because mine wasn't a real job, mine was a hobby. So it wasn't affecting anybody else. Nobody told me not to do it. Nobody told me, you know. But it's amazing that now I have that official published tag, how many people are far more interested in talking to me about writing than used to be. Yeah, it's, it's really funny because, again, I'm just going to say you did inverted commas, Joey style there in the real job yeah. uh, for those of us on audio. But again, Donna, you just, it's two things that tied it together. Other people's opinions 
are often a reflection of their self-limiting beliefs of where they're at of where they're comfortable and like I say you know anyone who's got to know you over the last 30 40 minutes you two are strong individuals you are bound together by DNA and name but you're very different in lots of ways but the one thing that that comes through time and time again is if you want it just go do it other people's opinions won't define me. Other people's opinions, you know, they might mean well. I mean, the guy with the cookies, I'm going to think of him. For, I'm not going to be able to walk past Millie's <laughs> without thinking of that dude in the pub. But it's the idea of really going after what you want. Okay, so before we finish up, because we could talk for another hour, and I'd love to, post-lockdown, we're definitely going to do this live over uh, some, uh, some coffee and some brunch and all of that. But with HEW, pillars of our business are health, excellence, and wealth. And I think we've touched a little bit there on excellence in terms of your mindset. If we just take it back a minute there to health. So, Cynthia, I know we've talked about this offline. Having a cancer diagnosis at 32, you were an active, healthy woman, and you are now an even more active healthy woman how how important to you now has your health become as a, a, an individual as a, an author as an ambitious person what, where does it sit for you in priorities and how does that affect what you do every day um it's funny when I had my writing brain I actually became really really good at going to the gym and making that time for myself and and that was my little time for me since lockdown, I've been absolutely awful. But again, not beating myself up about it because it's, you know, I'm just having a nice lazy time and it's, I take the dog for walks. I'm not, you know, I got some blood tests back and apparently my cholesterol is enviable. So I'm happy with that at the moment. But yeah, I think health is definitely, when I feel all right in myself physically, yeah. it definitely helps my mindset and it makes me more productive there's I don't know if you've ever seen it there was a like a meme going around for a while and it's a little wheel and it's it's like a pie chart and it says things that I think will make me successful and it's work and then a tiny little bit of sleep and then it's things that will actually make me successful and it's split into time to read exercise quiet time work sleep and and it's so true. And I have to constantly remind myself that if I'm a bit too tired after work to go to the gym, that actually it's going to make me feel better. It's, you know, it's going to help. And I'm just grateful that I can still do all the things that I could do before. You know, I've discovered new stuff. I was on our pre-chat. I said I wagged PE for year 10 and 11 because I hated it. Because I got hit by a car in year 10. Do you remember? I do. Yeah. We haven't even brought that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. We missed out and, a bit uh, where you got hit by a bus. <laughs> yeah, so got hit by a car and then um, just kept getting doctor's notes that said I didn't have to do PE for two years. <laughs> so I never did PE. I hated it. But it's definitely a bit more part of my life now. That was since lockdown, like I said. It's just mainly dog walks. And they are jog. Well, do you know what, Cynthia? It's interesting as you've said it there. I totally, me and Donna were nodding in agreement because it's, you know, it's a coaching wheel. It's a lot of the, you know, stuff that we would work with every single day with clients. But people think health and they think, I've got to drink green juice and I've got to not eat potatoes or bread. And, you know, we're from Irish families. That ain't going to happen on our watch. And, um, you know, they think I've got to be in the gym, you know, every single day. Whereas health is so much more, you know, it is about the sleep. It is about the hydration. It is about what you consume. And it's brilliant to... It, I know that you said before, you know, even though you're not someone who, you know, loved 
fitness exercise as a teenager I don't think there's many teenagers who go through you know stints of not wanting to be in the PE kit and in the changing room but then understanding that your health like I say Donna you've said it a few times during the conversation we just don't know how long we've got but how we feel about everything we're doing and our energy is so impacted by those things massively donna for you after um you know you know you've got two beautiful children uh, you've got multiple businesses you know time is not always going to be um in abundance for you in terms of you know let me get out and do you know a 60 minute you know um fitness session you know on a daily basis what is it for you that you have to put first in your health that really helps you stay focused and stay full of energy in your business I've recently, I've had to go back to the gym because I'm that girl, you know, you get with your boyfriend, you put on weight and then you fucking hate yourself all of a sudden. But through lockdown, I've realised that obviously I, you know, with kids and a partner, it's full on and a business, you know, you're kind of looking after everyone else all the time and you're not looking after yourself. And with the lockdown, it has made me realise that I do need at least an hour to myself a day with no hustle and bustle around me of family life. It's not just like going, you know, at first when we couldn't go anywhere, I'd have to go and sit in the garden or sit upstairs, but everyone's still like, mum, mum, you know. So I thought, right, I'm, I need to do something productive with this hour, so I'm back at the gym officially, and I'm loving it. Loving it. Good girl. And it's so it's so funny then you say it is that someone always wants your time, whether it yeah. be family, whether it be your friends, whether it be your businesses, whether it be whatever you look at everybody wants your time it's yeah. where, do, where do I fit in that and where do I give myself the priority yeah so that's where I've been doing at the minute it's just an hour a day to myself although my son is back at nursery today officially <laughs> which has been a long time coming he's very full-on um, I think he takes after me so What's yeah he's back yeah uh, Kyla's yeah, like he doesn't like being told what to do yeah <laughs> And yeah. Cynthia, I know you're a very, uh, very hands-on, very proud auntie. You, uh, you, yeah. you, love, you love the bones of Donna's two kids like no one around Donna's eldest is um, a girl. She's now 14. She used to be my best friend. But unfortunately, we're now at that stage where she just <laughs> thinks I'm embarrassing. Yeah. I've got to admit, it broke my heart at first. But now I just think it's quite funny. Well, my, uh, my eldest nephew's almost 10 and he's like, oh, Auntie Lauren, stop. Like, yeah. oh, my, oh my God, it's happening. I, yeah. I mean, I was a cool auntie for about six, seven years there and yeah. it's just evaporated overnight. Yeah. All I'm right. So, a couple more years and then she'll be cool Oh, you'll be back in, Cynthia. You'll be, <laughs> you'll, 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 you'll be the person who she rings at 2 a.m. when she needs to lift home and she can't yeah, ring exactly. home. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Time will come. Uh, girls it's been such a brilliant conversation and I feel like I feel like getting obviously I know you both so well but hearing about everything that you've overcome the focus that it's given you both in terms of um you know your business your writing and everything you've achieved the conversation over the next couple of weeks is around power duos and I know it's funny that your maiden name Cynthia and Donna you are Donna Power um which is you know love 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 the coincidence um we spoke a little bit about people around you supporting you sometimes maybe getting in your way your sisters lots of love you've been through huge amounts together but you're really different as well and you know you've had different points in your life where you know donna you became a mom cynthia you were off traveling the world what would you say has been the biggest lesson 
for you as an individual, as a family, and now as entrepreneurs and people growing businesses and empires, about the people that you have around you and the support and the challenges that come with that? I'll go first because um, when I got my cancer diagnosis, I remember reading loads of people saying that people had not turned out to be who they thought they were or people weren't supportive or people distanced themselves because they've got a diagnosis. And I remember thinking, I am so lucky with the people in my life. And my diagnosis taught me that absolutely everybody that I had in my inner circle in my life was exactly the person that I thought they were. And none of them let me down. They were all just amazing. And you've got to surround yourself with people who've got you back, who, you know, I've got, I've, I have no time at all for people who will be nice to my face and go and talk about me behind my back. I'd rather they were nice to my face and then forgot I existed for a bit. You know, I've got no time for drama and for people who need to make things about them in order to make themselves feel better. So I think just look at who you've got around you and if they are the people that you think they are, you're very fortunate. That's what you need. That's the support network you need. Really good answer. Thanks, Cynthia. Donna, what do you think? What's been your experience? Remind me of the question, Lauren, because I was that into what Cynthia <laughs> <saying. laughs> just said. So just <laughs> so good. Yeah, you're like, good point, Cynthia. Well made. Um, just in terms of having people in your corner, your support team, or you know, sometimes having people in your life that aren't conducive to the goal that you're working towards. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning about you were in business with someone who possibly didn't support the same things and the goals that you had. Just how important is it with the people around you and the influences that you have when you're setting out in business or when you're going through it in life? It's so important. Like you need people who are on your page, who are think the same, everything like that. Um, talking about that, what you've just brought up, which she wasn't actually my business partner. I had my shop, and I'm going to go in with this actually, sorry. Um, my shop was in, my clothes shop was in her shop. And while I was in the fire, my, all my stuff was still in there. And then I think two weeks later, they threw me out basically, set up their own boutique and stuff like that. And I thought that person was my friend. And obviously, not. I mean, I'm grateful now. She, she done me a favour. So actually, if she is listening, thanks, babe. But, um, you know... I think that was a big thing on my mindset as well after the fire. And I think if you're not on the same page with people and you don't have the right support around you, it is going to be a lot harder. So find a good, a good support network. And, you know, if it is your family that are being a bit negative, just take it on the chin. Don't worry about it. It's their problem, not yours. But yeah, support network is the Friends biggest as well. Thing. Like just people who will let you get on with it. Yeah, that's what yeah, know. that's what our family's yeah. like, isn't it? Yeah, but, just get on with it, you know. And if you fail, they're there for you. If you succeed, they're there for you. Mm -hmm. They don't have any agenda. They're just happy to let you get on with it. Yeah. Love it. And I'm in my head now as you're talking, I can picture both Mary and Pat and they're just like, you know, go on girls, you know, yeah. give, give it a shot, open a business, write a novel. Yeah. But it's amazing. Say, my mum always, always said, Get yourself a career. She always said it. But yeah. like mum and dad come from Ireland, you know, education. And when I actually got a career, I remember saying, Thanks, Mum, that was really good advice, but it just wasn't quite enough. I needed something else as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Mum never said that to me, actually. <laughs> I think Mum knew. <laughs> you know, mom, I'm not fucking telling her anything. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, isn't it funny? Like, you know, we I've said it a few times during the conversation. You guys brought up in the same house, same parents, but so different. And isn't it lovely that you both, you know, your parents were able to go, listen, what's right for you, Donna's right for you. What's right for you, Cynthia's right for you. Hopefully, I'm sure they'll listen to this uh, at some point when we do go live. The love, the support. I can't imagine what it must have been like for your mum and dad over the last five, six years and uh-huh. everything that they've been through. So uh, it's not just a power duo here. We've got a, a full power squad and uh, <laughs> hats off to them. What an amazing group and support that you've got there. All right. So we don't talk and get into more emotional uh, uh, crybag mode here. Um, tell people what, where they can connect with you, where they can find you, and what's ahead. So Donna, for you, the fashion business, the coaching business, where can we find you? What's the company name? Where can people get to know you even more online? Yeah, so my Instagram is powercoaching2020 and donnapowercoaching.co.uk is my website. My fashion brand is Put in a little box at the moment. Um, I've fully decided to concentrate my coaching for a while, just until I want to go back there. I've had, I need, like you said, I've needed a bit of a break from it after everything that happened. But yeah, my coaching, you can find me there. Brilliant. And Cynthia, tell us the name of the novel. Tell us when it's going to be out. Tell us all of the all of the stuff your agent will want you to say. Okay. So um, my debut YA thriller slash horror is out on the 7th of January, which is the day after my birthday, uh, which is really nice. It is with Scholastic, but you can now pre-order it on Amazon, Waterstones, WH Smith, Foils, Wordery, Book Depository, <laughs> and I think that's it for now. Oh, um, that's it. Yeah, not, not that's you can pre-order and get a shiny copy in the post on the day it comes out. I am on Instagram at Cynthia Murphy YA where I post pictures of my dog and lots of writing stuff and I'm on Twitter as one tired writer because I was trying to think of a really cool like tag and I couldn't and I kept thinking what am I constantly and it was tired (laughs) so I was one tired writer Um, and that's where you can see we did an amazing cover reveal of my novel with Scholastic last week and the, name, the name of the book, Cynthia, I think we've lost. Oh, sorry. It. Yeah, the name of the book is Last One to Die. Dramatic. And it, mm. It's my love letter to Point Horrors. So if you're of our era um, and you read Point Horrors in the 90s or watch films like Scream, it's very, very much down that road. I cannot wait to read it. Now, it's really funny. On the back of that, I really want to ask you both about the books that you read in business and pleasure <laughs> and mindset stuff. But we'll save that one for another episode. Maybe we'll get you back on uh, when the book's released, Cynthia uh, and Donna, when the business you know, is at an even bigger stage. But I just want to say thank you so much for sharing so much, your honesty. Um, I need to go and probably have a little cry after recording <laughs> this one. Uh, But also, huge. I just feel so delighted for you both that you're healthy you're happy you've got each other uh, and such amazing things ahead of you in business so uh, thanks for joining us today on who wants to be an entrepreneur and uh, <laughs> for everyone else listening um, do let us know if you have any feedback if you have any questions we'll link up all the girls social media uh, on our posts itself um, but if you have any questions for myself Helen or the wonderful power duo um, we'd be delighted to hear from you wherever you're listening have a great day have a great night we'll speak to you all soon Thank you for listening to the HEW podcast. 
For continued support, please subscribe using iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play or SoundCloud. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please leave a five-star review on your download platform. Tune in for more value and more content the same time next week.